Well, we got a great topic today and one that I think Christians are kind of split on. This is, of all the topics we're covering, probably the one that will have the most disagreement, I would assume, mm. in terms of classifying yourself as a feminist. So we're going to talk mm. about feminism yeah. and the Bible. How do these two things line up? Do they line up? Um, we've been talking about different ways to destroy our culture, that we've seen a lot of different ideologies. This is a big one. And we have to distinguish feminism today from what it has been. Yeah. So there's been kind of different waves of feminism. Right. So you want to tell us about that, what we're talking about with third yeah. wave feminism? Yeah, so there's a, a, I think a lot of the confusion today about whether or not Christians should identify themselves as feminists is because feminists the definition of what a feminist is has really changed. So the first wave of feminism was early 20th century, the women's suffrage movement. Yeah. And so, yeah, giving women the right to vote was what it meant to be a feminist. And then... Hard to disagree with today. Hard to disagree with that. I don't know many that. people that are trying to repeal women's right to vote. Right. No, I don't think... Don't know anyone. No, no, <laughs> I don't know anyone. But maybe, maybe yeah, don't. so when people say, I'm a feminist today, that's not what they're talking about though. They're talking yeah. about more than that. So there's a second wave of feminism happening like in the sixties ish. And so that was more of a movement about, um, undermining traditional roles that women yeah. had and basically empowering them, um, to be more in the workforce, to be more, uh, you might say sexually promiscuous in yeah, a, yeah. in a, acceptable way or making it more socially acceptable yeah um, so this was yeah t t tossing aside these gender roles yeah that restrained women this is when we get into where <clears> it's <throat> there's a clear conflict with scripture which we'll talk about a little bit later but um and this idea that women were sold of its freedom sexual freedom to allow a man to take advantage of you mm -hmm. right that that trying to ignore it, there's actually a difference between male and female and that there is a different kind of damage that happens to a woman. It's a sin for both. We're not saying yeah. it's not. But there's a, a specific type of vulnerability that women have because they have the ability to get pregnant, right? And also we're just different emotional creatures. But it's like the, the take what's the what's worst in men and then that's what de should define women. Yeah. Not even the good <laughs> traits of masculinity, but the bad traits, the, the conquest mentality, the sexual promiscuity, all these things that men can be in their mm -hmm. sinful state and say, women, if you want to be great, you got to emulate that. Right. It's yeah. crazy. And it's kind of trying to minimize even the fact that there are differences between men and women at all. And therefore they, there should be this uniform way that everyone acts, which is including taking the negative things that a lot of men have and yeah. making women that way, which is Yeah. And telling strange. people women that it'd yeah. be oppression for a man to love provide for and commit right. to you before you're intimate with them that's oppression you know it's <laughs> like in reality i i mean bible would say the opposite of that right. but but that's kind of what was being sell, sold in second wave feminism yeah. so that's second wave feminism and so that's talking about a concrete group biological women and then that's leading to the third wave, which is more starting in the 90s which is bringing in this idea of intersectionality that we've been talking about where um it's not only about biological women now, but it's also about uh, anyone who would identify as a woman. So uh, trans women, and then also not only just womanhood in general, but also bringing in other ideas, intersectional ideas, race and things like that, uh, sexual orientation, being part of this whole idea of feminism, which is, I mean, it's really just intersectionality, more focused kind of. Yeah. 
That's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. so it intersects with the intersectionality idea yeah. that we talked about earlier. Yeah. And often it's called intersectional feminism. Yeah. Right. Because it's yeah. Now it's about not just being a woman, but uh, are you a woman of color? Are you an immigrant woman? Are you a trans right. woman? Quote unquote. Exactly. Um, so all these things <laughs> have to be kind of brought together, and it's going to even progress past that into which we'll talk about soon, but men and women don't even exist as categories. It's all just kind of this gray mess. Uh, But there's a focus on language that's probably due to a lot of these battles, right? Yeah, so in second wave feminism, by contrast, a lot of it was about um, legal uh, rights for women that didn't exist before, basically this perceived difference in the wages women were making compared to men. And so seeking to... Um, concretely make differences in society based between men and women as defined categories. But now it's more about not these concrete things, but just about how these things are talked about because um, we've talked about how basically so much is about power struggle and the way you talk about things in our society shows that um, there's, there's a power dynamic at hand. So when you're saying that a, if you're saying something negative about women or about trans women or something, then you're basically oppressing them by asserting authority just by talking about it in a certain way that they wouldn't agree with. Yeah. Yeah. So you will get shouted down in many contexts yeah. if you even push back against these things. So it's, it's often so semantic and it, it's, it's funny because in many ways when you look at the measurements, women are in many ways doing better than men, mm-hmm. right? It's not a, it's not a very simple calculation. That's the whole, that's the whole problem with this, game we play yeah well who's winning and it's not a competition but women are graduating from college at a much higher rate they are um you know we've talked we've they obviously don't die on the job as much mm-hmm. like 98 percent of workplace deaths are men mm. we never hear about that most people incarcerated are men by again by like 98 percent, something like that and in one of the last bastions of this sort of battle for women's rights has been the wage gap right you don't hear about it as much now you, it'll probably come back around. These things kind of come in waves. Yeah. But I feel like 2017, 2018, this was a huge topic, which was that men make, you know, women make 77 cents on the dollar for right. whatever men makes. And which, of course, doesn't factor in so many different factors. Mm-hmm. One of them being the individual choices people make about what kind of work gives them joy. Um, a lot of women don't want to be chemical engineers. I don't want to be a chemical engineer. It sounds like a horrible job, but it is essentially the highest paying, I believe, uh, career path you could go on on average. Mm. So 90 something percent of the people that go into that field are men Mm -hmm. because men are more driven by making a profit, providing for their family, being in a high power job, whatever. Right. Um, Whereas women tend to care more about relationships, connection, having meaning in their work that they are really proud of. Again, it's not like we can just totally separate into these categories. We look at the top jobs that are women. It's like kindergarten teachers. I think it's number one or number two. Yeah. All these jobs where like, yeah, who in the world would want to be a kindergarten teacher? That sounds that sounds terrible. But it's really satisfying and enjoyable for a lot of people. And women are kind of built more that way, whereas men are built more to build, to you know, lead, to accomplish these kinds of outward tasks, whereas women are more focused on on the average on people. Yeah. So it naturally leads to a, a job, a, a gap in the, in the wages, so to speak, but it's not because there's some sort of hidden force that is forcing right. women to take bad jobs. Yeah. 
in many ways, I, was, I could argue that the jobs women take are better jobs because they give that kind of intrinsic satisfaction. Right. So I, I mean, mean, religious jobs are one of those kinds of jobs <laughs> that tend to pay less but have more intrinsic rewards. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, thinking about those different choices people make, I mean, that that's what makes sense of the fact that there's a difference on average when you look at the wide scale in society, you see that generally women make less than men, but it's not because as some people argue that they're doing the exact same job yeah. in the exact same place with the exact same qualifications, but because someone's a man, they're making more, which is, I think what people are saying. Um, yes. and that's what they kind of imply. That's, it. that's what they imply. Is that if you hire a woman, you can pay her 23 cents less an hour, right? which and in that case, everyone would be hiring you women. You would hire women <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's, that's to get a, a bargain. Yeah, right? there you go. Cause all that matters is that green for a lot of businesses. Seriously, right? so yeah. Just, yeah. So, I mean, out. obviously there's a lot of legal protection against that. So, yeah. I mean, there's, there's no societal pressure basically forcing all women to make less money in the same jobs, which is, I think a big push, especially in second wave, but is still even relevant today as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Tell me about how like abortion fits into the third wave. Yeah. So that's, that's basically the one exception to this broad, um, principle that we're talking about where by and large third wave feminism is about language and how you talk about gender and things like that. But the one concrete issue that really matters in third wave feminism today is abortion rights. Yes. And so basically it's as much as they can get, as far as they can get is, is what they want, you know? Yes, to be like a dyed-in-the-wool true feminist today, yeah. you have to be pro-abortion. Right. Or at least pro-choice, right? But, I mean, th- like, this is so central to modern-day feminism. There was even the women's marches back in, what was it, 2016? I think it was mm-hmm. after Trump was elected, yeah. right? When they're kind of protesting his language about women. And they had the women marches, women's marches, and a lot of women wanted to join in that that were pro-life. And they, they thought that would be a great thing to be part of. And those groups were intentionally excluded as basically being anti-women. So again, it's hard to define a movement, but this was one of the defining moments of this feminist movement, and it, it excluded those who were not pro-abortion. Yeah, so I mean, probably by the, the large... Uh, feminist movement, Christians, if you are pro-life, they wouldn't include you as a feminist, you know? And it and makes so, sense, right? Yeah. If, again, if, you, if you're in a secular sense. Yeah. So if you believe freedom comes from primarily, and, and, and equality comes from like earning power and the ability to have sex whenever you want with whoever you want, if those are kind of your two big things, again, you're defining you're defining the worth of a woman based on these kind of stereotypical masculine values Mm -hmm. that even for men I would confront those obviously yeah Um, but that's kind of those are two of the big things so one of the things that gets in the way of both of those is having children so abortion Mm. has to be a central value because and you'll hear this often with like an actress who comes out and says I had an abortion when I was younger but they'll say oh I was glad I did because I was able to have a successful career so in other words they're saying I was able to put my child on the altar of my career mm. and to receive success in return from this idol. But, you know, in order to, to do these things, to have this reproductive freedom and to be able to make a lot of money, you have to be able to exterminate your children <laughs> if you end up getting pregnant, right? Yeah. And it's, it's like a horrible thing to put it in those stark terms, but right. essentially what, what is happening. 
So what should so what should Christians make of this? Obviously, we already got some kind of implications that are impl- you know yeah. applied to what yeah. we're saying. But should we you know be part of this battle against problematic discourse towards women? So I think a lot of that is really dangerous because we don't. It's important that we don't see men and women are the, as these diametrically opposed groups yeah. that hate each other and are trying to war over one another to get more power. And that's, I don't think how men should view it as like they're dominating women or women the opposite way either. They shouldn't be trying to get more power so as to overtake men. Yeah. And really this, I mean, this comes from the fall, right? Yeah. The curse in Genesis three, where God says there's going to be this fight between men and women, right? So Genesis three 16, there's going to be, you know, it says your desire shall be contrary to your husband. So Eve's going to want to essentially manipulate her husband or control her husband, and then he will rule over you. So there's yeah. going to be kind of a domineering from men. So this kind of conflict that happens within relationships is because of the fall. But as Christians, we should actively be saying, well, we're not going to fall into those patterns yeah. of thinking that the way to lift up men is to put down women or vice versa. It's crazy. Right. Yeah, it's such a weird way that we can be twisted to thinking about these yeah, things. Yeah, and in fact, God created marriage in a way where he, he's forcing us to be dependent on each other, mm-hmm. right? First Corinthians 11, which we just talked about yeah. recently, talks about this idea of how we are interdependent as male and female. And so God gave us marriage, the most important relationship that we have with somebody, very often on the, in, this, in this world, and it forces us to come together and to be in partnership in order to create life and build a home run the church, all these kinds of things. We need each other. Definitely. Yeah. And so basically the positive way of talking about this as another implication for Christians is that we should love each other as men and women and seek to build each other up and speak the truth in love. And so there is a good impulse to actually care about what we say because we want to speak the truth. However, oftentimes third wave feminism is not about speaking what's actually true according to biblical standards, but is following this narrative of this power struggle that shouldn't really exist. And so our goal should be to um, speak what God's word says about the differences men and women have, but also the fact that they're equally valuable and that, yeah, we need each other. Yes. And, and if you, this is true often when it comes to conversations about gender or race is that people get so, emotional about it mm-hmm. and often people have certain you know perspectives and hurt whatever but you get so emotional about it that you when somebody responds with simply asking logical questions or or pressing for information there can be this reaction that because you haven't accepted my narrative you must hate women or you must hate you know yeah. people of color whatever it might be just right escalate so quickly. and so if, if that is the the posture you have in a conversation where someone just asking a basic logical question or giving you facts and asking for a response, if that you know triggers you so much, it's likely you're not thinking about this in a level-headed way. Mm. And you need to know that the truth is your friend. It's always your friend. Even if it's hard for you to see, it's hard for you to face certain things, it's going to be better for you in the long run. Yeah. And God, God operates in the truth. His spirit is called the spirit of truth in the Gospel of John. So... Tell, speak the truth to each other, receive the truth, don't hide from the truth, and don't think that being compassionate means lying to people. Yeah, I mean, also in addition to that, God created everything as it is for our good. And so it's 
something that benefits other people when we actually tell them the truth as God created it between men and women and so that they can function in a way that is in line with the way that God made us. Amen. Yeah, and so, great. so much dysfunction is caused from not doing that. That's great. Yeah. Good. So what, what else should we take away from this? Another one, which we pretty clearly implied is that we definitely should not, uh, agree with the feminist view of sexuality in abortion. Um, it's pretty clear in scripture that abortion is murder. We shouldn't be ending yeah. lives that begin at conception. And so the, the never ending March to kill more babies as late as possible is not sure. something we should be part of. Yes, clearly, clearly. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy that you have to say that. Yeah. But, um, but yes, that's very good. And we shouldn't be foolish enough to think that, sexual promiscuity is not going to lead to damage and very often it's creating a life whenever you engage in sexual act you're there's a possibility there of creating life even if you Mm -hmm. have you know birth control of some kind you're not god you can't control that so we shouldn't be foolish and think that we can live in this way that's totally against god and there'll be no repercussions for it right Uh, satan's temptation at the beginning was first, did God actually say, mm. right? He questions God's word, yeah. but then he says, you will not surely die. He follows it up by denying God's judgment. The first yeah. lie ever told, explicit lie ever told was, you will not die if you sin. And, and so we have that, that same lie in different forms, right? Oh, if you have sexual sin, no one's going to be hurt. It's just about you. It's just about you know, your personal pleasure, no big deal, all that stuff. That's all the same lie, which is that you won't receive any penalty for your actions. Yeah, I mean... Multiple passages in the New Testament say that the sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God. Yeah. And so that's why it's so important that we actually care about godliness in our life. Um, of course, there's the great reminder that in Christ, no matter what we've done in our past, we can have forgiveness. If we believe in Jesus, he died on the cross for that. So be encouraged of that. And if you are someone who engages in those things currently, you can turn away from that yeah. and follow God. <laughs> you can become someone new. Yeah, Amazing. Absolutely. By God's grace, right? That's a, that's a great encouragement. Yeah. All right. Any, what, what last thoughts do we have? Last one. I touched on this briefly, but just the fact that our language does matter. What we do, what we say does matter. And so we should be aiming to speak the truth and not only the truth, but also in a way that builds others up instead of tears others down. And so, um, between men and women, as, as we talked about there, we shouldn't be trying to control or overpower the other, but yeah seek to recognize what God has given the other and empower them to live for him. That's right. Yeah. yeah I think we could see yeah, there's a lot of things we can say on this. We're, we're addressing an issue in a short amount of time. Yeah. There is a ton of nuance in this. You know, some people will be saying, well, m- women maybe on average are more like this, but I'm a woman and I'm kind of a different. Of course. Yeah. Of course there's, there are differences within that. But when we speak in broad categories, we're going to use generalizations. Um, but, but most of all, I would say, okay, let's, hear what God's word says and God's word speaks to gender in very clear ways. He doesn't give to us a ton of nitpicky specifics. Right. And we often want that of like, well, what does male leadership in the home look like? Well, we, we have some broad strokes in terms of sacrifice and love and Mm -hmm. giving the word to your wife, all these things, but we don't have everything laid out for us. And so we have to take the general principles and seek to apply them faithfully and not simply say, because there aren't specifics, I'm going to ignore the principle that's clearly expressed in Scripture. So there are a lot of problems with feminism. You may disagree. 
leave leave your thoughts leave you know, if you want to add something put it in the comments below we love hearing from you guys it's always an interesting conversation um but uh, any closing thoughts no yeah let's okay. let's rely on god's word and that's right. obey that's right